Welcome to another episode of Spotlight with Shubham. I'm co-founder of Mastera, an all-in-one platform for coaches and trainers to run and scale their online knowledge business. Today on Spotlight, we have Melissa with us. Melissa helps leaders move from imperfect leadership to intentional leadership and also helps organizations with purposeful people strategies to ensure that work won't get stuck. Welcome, Melissa, to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you here and looking forward to uh, to chat because uh, these these two topics that are uh, these two areas that you work on are are, are, are pretty interesting and, and I've already deeper into those for sure. Uh, but before we uh, but before we go there, um, uh, we'd love to understand or we'd love to know uh, the background and your history and how you ended up being uh, being a coach. Yeah, I, um, I definitely didn't come out of school thinking that was going to be the plan at all. Um, ended up with a degree in, in government and thought I was going to do some consulting work and uh, that didn't play out. And through a variety of paths, ended up um, in a bit of an HR career uh, with some small organizations to begin with and then to some large firms. Uh, working in HR business partner, HR leadership, people and talent strategy type roles, um, and did that until um, was with a large company for almost 19 years and uh, decided it wasn't my end game. So I was going to take that first big career leap of faith um, that I talk about, um, and I quit my job, didn't have a plan, but I didn't want to do the job search at the same time. So I wasn't sure what that was going to be debated, you know, going back inside or starting my own business. And at the time I decided I wasn't ready um, to have my own business. I wasn't sure I could grow and uh, maintain a company. And I still wanted to be part of something. So I went back, I went into another organization, which was great. But in early 2019, I started wondering like the what ifs. Mm -hmm. um, and I really landed on, I didn't want to have regrets of not trying to do my own thing to do from a coaching and consulting perspective. Um, so I say I took my second big leap of faith. Um, it would probably announced I was leaving in July and left um, at the end of September of 2019 to, to launch my own consulting advisory and uh, leadership coaching business. And so I've been doing that just about coming up on my three-year anniversary now. So I'm based in the U.S. in Delaware. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been quite an interesting ride. That's awesome. Well, that's, that's definitely quite an interesting uh, ride slash journey there. Um, and three years is is a, is a pretty solid time frame. Um, and I believe that's uh, right around COVID. Uh, I, I guess you started and COVID, COVID happened yeah, right I, after I, that? I, yeah, I started before COVID hit. I had a couple months in um, and then March it, it came and, and people say, well, how did COVID exp um, impact your business? And I didn't really have a good answer because I didn't know what it was like. I never, I didn't have a full year under me to say, okay, well, yeah, definitely slowed this down or it sped it up. Cause I don't know what would happen. I know that some work, some consulting work ended sooner than I probably would have um, if COVID hadn't come, but there were other relationships that I ended up building um, because of COVID. So it's hard to say it was, it turned out to be a decent year and, you know, the business has still grown. 
um, despite that shift, but I had always known I was going to be a virtual organization because I'd worked in large global multinationals. Like I had worked with virtual teams for my whole career or the vast majority of my career. So I, I knew that I wasn't going to limit myself to just clients in my immediate uh, backyard. No, that, that makes sense. And I guess uh, the COVID uh, thing must have helped with the whole virtual phenomena as well. I guess a lot of clients were not kind of open slash uh, comfortable with that virtual approach beforehand must have kind of landed into that. But, but like you said, you, you, you don't have a comparison uh, yeah. point there, but, but I'm sure there was a, there was a kind of favorable, favorable trend that was going in your direction from a virtual yeah. standpoint, I guess. Um, awesome. So, so with that, let's, let's dig a little deeper into the type of uh, coaching that you do. Cause I'm, I'm very curious to kind of learn um, and understand what is uh, a leadership uh, leadership coaching and and how how do you kind of um, tackle that and approach that? Yeah, and, and in some ways, I don't love the labels. You know, people talk sure. about life coaching or leadership coaching or executive coaching, et cetera. When I look at the people that I coach tend to be leaders, and I will say that with a, a lowercase l, um, from the perspective of not all of them have teams that they directly manage, but they're in that managerial level. They have a scope of responsibility or a title that takes them, you would consider them more of a leader. And so I like to work with individuals um, that are self-aware. Uh, they know that they can be better. They, they might be an athlete. And I say that only because athletes know that they, um, sorry, it might be an athlete from a hobby perspective. They're probably working in a, a corporate environment, a nonprofit type thing. But on the side, they know that to get better, they need help. And it's that it's okay to go hire a personal trainer or go hire a running coach or, or whatever. So right. I like coaching people who are have that mindset of, I don't have to have all the answers. Um, and I will invest in myself to be better as a leader for my teams, for the organization, et cetera. Uh, so many of Actually, most of the people that I, I coach have decided for themselves that they want coaching. I do do um, coaching through one of the um, platforms where those organizations are giving people access to coaching as well. Um, but my private clients, they come just, uh, they decide to fund it themselves. Got it. Got it. So so it's, it seems like it's a pretty wide spectrum there, like you said. Uh, from probably first-time managers, first-time people managers to uh, folks who are not even managing people or who are kind of individual contributors, but at a leadership kind of role, uh, you kind of go from. Uh, yeah, I would say it's not, it's um, it's probably not a, a junior individual contributor, but as you said, more of a, a seasoned professional that might not directly have uh, direct reports. They might have be leading a product product line, or they might be leading um, uh, a specific area of, of like have a VP title, and they're leading an area of the of the business, but just not have a direct report. But sure, I think the sure. challenge is that there are only so many challenges that people have because around leading it. So a lot of it comes down to their time management. A lot of it comes down to maybe feedback that they're they've gotten around their style. It might be that they're stuck um, it, it, where they, uh, from a growth perspective, are not knowing where they want to go. I mean, so 
even though the industries might be different, even though the job titles might be different in the levels, the challenges tend to be similar, just different context. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty fascinating. Like how how like you mentioned, how how people run into sort of similar challenges yeah. across the board, uh, different companies, different different domains, different type of work, but similar challenges. So so yeah, that's a good segue. Why don't you uh, sort of highlight maybe a couple of really key things that you help um, these leaders overcome. Um, let's say I'm a, I'm a leader and I, I come to you, uh, just, just a couple of examples there. Sure. Um, I think sometimes it's um, a leader who's transitioned into a new role, like they've gotten a promotion or they changed organizations and it's thinking about how do they want to do things differently? What kind of impression do they want to make if it's a new team or they have new scope of responsibilities? And it's thinking about, okay, how do I want to show up? And what did I feel like, didn't, particularly if you're changing organizations, what's different about this organization culturally? Like the style that you might have implement, used and worked really well with your team and the old organization might be very different than the team there. And so working through how do you shift? I mean, how do you stay true to who you are? Right. But on the other hand, adapt to the environment that you're part of. So I think that's one thing that comes up. I think there's also almost consistently with everybody, there's a bit around the time management and productivity of just overwhelmed with meetings, not feeling like making the impact they want, but like just there's no time to do work or planning. And I think a lot of times it comes down to a lack of clear priorities or letting others sort of drive that. And I know it's easier said than done to to manage your calendar, particularly when other people put meetings on your calendar and, and things like that. But I think the lesson is we have to set some boundaries. And when you look at some of the, the most people touted as the most successful people in the world, they have boundaries. Mm -hmm. They don't spend all day in meetings. They do work out. They do sleep. They do read the paper. They do read constantly. They do plan. And so trying to find ways that um, those leaders will actually prioritize those things versus, but I need to be in these meetings. I need need to do these other things. Because I think the planning and reflection, you can't lead if you're busy 24-7. Right, right. No, that 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 makes sense. And and I can relate to kind of both um, both sides of or both sides of the spectrum because uh, I remember when I was um, in corporate America um, first time manager um, I was charged with leading four four folks and never done that before and all of a sudden I'm like how do I handle it like how do I show up what is my what 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 should my body language be do they trust me do they like me all these questions that are going in the mind um, and there was no training and I absolutely wish that there was this this thing that hey you're gonna be now leading these people and there's gonna be this training of three weeks and then you will start but it was yeah. like hey uh there was a meeting call and you're like hey we are uh, it's good news we're announcing you and now now you're managing these people and you have to hire two more people as well so all of a sudden these things happen so uh but but great learning experience there for me as well and on the other side like you said um now i'm sort of co-founder leader of the whole company like 24 7 things are going in my head so definitely drawing those boundaries is is, is key i guess 
Um, so no, absolutely. And and do you do you also help with the sort of the mindset uh, mm-hmm. coaching as well? Because because I I personally when I reflect back on on myself, I I kind of see that a lot of times that uh, that's that's a key part as well. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I talk about, when, particularly when I think about um, all of us as imperfect leaders, and I and that's everybody, because I think we're imperfect leaders of ourselves and of others, and so we have to um, deal with what I call the messy. So our messy is how we grew up, all the baggage that we potentially, you know, brought from our childhood or how we were raised, uh, different motivations, et cetera. And those influence how we show up. And so if we're a, from a mindset, if we're a perfectionist, or if we like to be the hero, or we like, you know, to, um, we show up as, you know, the hair on from a mindset perspective, we have how that needs to change and who we want to be um, because we can't lead others effectively if we can't lead ourselves. Right, right. And so that's when Absolutely. I talk about being, you know, going from imperfectly, I mean, we will always be imperfect leaders because none of us are perfect, but we can be really intentional and how we want to show up and who we want to be and what we know about ourselves or don't know about ourselves and how we use our mindset to say, okay, this is consciously how I'm going to show up today. I want to be more present. I want to let things go and not, you know, focus on the perfect or that it, somebody doesn't do it the way I would do it. So Melissa, do, uh, did you go through some formal training slash uh, certification before starting as a coach or was it all your own experiences that that you bring into the table sure um i obviously had a lot of experience working with leaders um through my uh, hr role and my own personal experience of being a leader and and you know how, the good and the bad and the ugly of of um both of those but i did decide when i uh i wanted formal training um in coaching so i did go through a program uh, before going out on my, uh, before going out on my own, um, because I also knew I wanted to get a formal certification, uh, to be able to, to, uh, have that as a credibility factor, uh, with different organizations, if I chose to work with them. Gotcha. Okay. Makes sense. And, and I, I speak with a lot of, uh, a lot of our guests and other clients who are into coaching. And, and I see that all the time that, um, most coaches have, had their own coaches as well so so, oh, yeah. so so coaches are very coachable uh themselves most of the time which which kind of makes sense that it should be like that otherwise you get you won't be able to kind of connect and provide those um those services um the other other thing comes to mind um so just from a leadership coaching standpoint or leadership coach and i know there's you you mentioned earlier you don't like the labels but just from a from this this area standpoint, if someone is out there and was was kind of thinking, probably like your 2018 uh, when you were in 2018 and you were sort of probably thinking and sort of um, sort of going over it, and if someone is out there, what what any any suggestions for them slash any uh, any any specific qualities that that you can point out that hey, if someone wants to be a leadership coach, you gotta have have these mm-hmm. things uh, before you kind of jump in with that leap of faith. Yeah, I mean, I think if if you if your question is about if you're if you're considering uh, becoming a coach, I think one thing is figure out why you're doing it. 
because, um, and what you want to get out of it, because it's not about solving somebody's problem. You could be a mentor then you could lead teams. You could be a buddy, those types of things that that's what you're interested in. But if you are really, if your motivation is, is more focused on helping other people figure out what to do, um, I think that's good. Um, I mean, that's a good intention. I think if you're considering getting your own coach, it's also about finding, figure out what, what you want help with um, and recognizing that it's not somebody to tell you what to do because the, the best coaches aren't going to tell you what to do. They may share some personal insights, but that's not the, that's not the core of it. The core of it is really around um, helping someone figure out what's really going to work for them. And so that's what, you know, being a coach is all about. Got it. And then I, I guess the same goes to being a leadership coach as well. So that mm-hmm. that's sort of one quality um, that they got to have that in themselves before they kind of take that jump. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that makes sense. Um, now, uh, just uh, switching gears and, and just want to learn and understand a little bit about uh, how you find clients and how you market yourself, that part of the thing, because because our listeners uh, generally are very interested in sort of launching and scaling their own business as well. Um, so we'd love to know, like you started in 2019, um, probably actually the first few months, uh, how, how did that go and how did you land your like, first, first 10 clients? Yeah. I mean, I think the first couple of clients, it was, it was more, Hey, I'm new at this and you know, I, I, I want to try try it out. And I, some of my clients, I uh, started working with um, uh, more pro bono because it was uh, while I was still in my corporate environment, I started picking up some coaching clients just to, to get a handle on it and um, build my, my coaching skills. And then I think it was a, a little bit of uh, letting people know, I mean, it's, it's no different than any sort of sales type of thing of letting people know what you're doing. I've uh, generally found my um, coaching clients through either past people I've worked with or people who have been referred, um, though I'm very active on, on LinkedIn. And, and, you know, I think people are aware that uh, see me on there that I am a coach. Most of it comes through a word of mouth. Um, uh, type approach than versus anything else more specific, at least at this point. And so, as I said, I'm on that, you know, three-year anniversary. And so it may change over time. Um, but coaching is one of those things that you, you can't have uh, a ton of clients because you need that, uh, time to be able to spend with each client, um, and be able to reflect and, and help them. So you don't need a huge number of clients, but you need to to find the ones that are actually going to fit uh, really well with your style because every coach is a little bit different about how they show up and, and the the method that, methods that they use. And so not every um, potential coaching client will be a, a good match. But I've been, uh, generally it's word of mouth referrals, uh, prior people I've worked with in the past. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. And and do you do you um, work on any marketplaces or any sort of online uh, companies or startups? Because uh, I I hear I've been hearing and seeing some of those which are like very focused on specific type of coaching. Uh, mm-hmm. I've not really seen a uh, sort of a leadership 
coaching marketplace yet, but I'm, I'm sure there's something out there. But just yeah, curious. No, yeah, there's a there's a ton of marketplaces now. It's, it seems to be in the boom. I, I do do some work with BetterUp. Um, okay. And predominantly in their executive, they have more um, a variety of some specialist coaching as well as some more general leadership and executive coaching. And that's where I spend my time there. Nice, nice. And and I, I guess that sort of also helps uh, turn the wheels because um, because because you get your first few clients there, uh, or one can get their first few clients there, and and that can kind of start that whole like you mentioned referrals and sort of word of mouth kind of thing. As well, yeah, I, I I mean I haven't necessarily seen that with the clients that I've had at uh, Better Up that they refer other people, um, just because those are more uh, organizational things and I, I don't know that that comes up but i think it could be a good referral source for the future but it hasn't been for me yet got it okay okay and and do you do you also get some uh referrals from other coaches or or most or is it mostly from the past clients yeah i have not seen referrals coming from other i mean i think it could depending if they specialize in a, a specific area um that it wasn't a good fit but i i I referred one person I met, they were looking for a coach that uh, had more of a medical background that they mm-hmm. were very familiar with that, that, um, that field. And so had referred them to a colleague that I have that that's her background. Um, so she, you know, uh, can uh, relate. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cause uh, some of, some of my discussions in the past were like, some some folks mentioned that they um, they they network a lot with other coaches and and that's how some of their sort of referrals come and so I guess that that can work as well uh, for for folks who who are connected and who are kind of networking but but I, I guess it also depends on the the area of coaching as well not not everywhere it is possible. Awesome. Sounds good. So um, you you mentioned when we were talking earlier that you also have a couple of guides uh, mm. slash ebooks uh, on Amazon. So talk to us uh, about that. I would love to dig into those. Sure. One of the things that I recognized after I went out on my own is that um, I was trying to build a presence on LinkedIn um, and just started posting and started writing some of my you know, my thoughts down around leadership and teams and, you know, having a great life and all of those types of uh, topic areas. And so one of the things that I decided to do was to um, curate all those posts that I had from about, you know, late 2019, early 2020, you know, through 2021 or mid 2021, um, curated them um, to look at what did I actually have and I realized I, it came down to three general topics. One, you know, how do you have a great life or how do you love the life you're living? One was around your career. Um, and then the other part was around, you know, leadership and leading teams. And so I took the content from um, the two topics around, you know, your best life and uh, living a great or having a great career um, and uh put that all together into what I call a guide. Um, and I call it only a guide. It's published on, Am- they're both published on Amazon, but they're short. They're about 50 pages. And it really is set up around sort of that journey and the ways to think about it, uh, about what's most important to you um, with a lot of reflective opportunity. So, you know, one is is called, you know, there is no perfect life. 
um, or the perfect life is not the goal. And the other one is, you know, there's no perfect job um, with the focus on we can love any of the things that we do, but we also need to know what we're really looking for out of a job or out of our life. And so uh, published those earlier this spring for people to be able to use as, you know, reflective tools for themselves. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's great. And those are really good topics because um, and, and and it's a really good idea as well that uh, you, you curated your uh, sort of posts from LinkedIn to kind of create a book. So it's that both of them are kind of smart moves, I would say. Uh, it's re really interested to uh, kind of uh, let's talk a little bit about real quick about uh, your guide slash ebook for uh, the perfect job thing. Because because I, I also hear that a lot, like most people are not very satisfied with their with their jobs and they're like, hey, I want to do something else and something more and that kind of thing. So so just uh, any any anything that uh, you would love to share from that guide uh, will be will be great. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it starts with figuring out uh, most of us, particularly if you've been in uh, the job marketplace for a little while. Um, or even if you're coming out of school, you you take that first job and you you sort of know what that you want to do. And maybe if you stay at an organization or you jump from organ, you sort of just go from place to place to place. But you don't necessarily have a plan. Like and, and many people that I meet haven't actually ever stopped to say, "Do I really like what I do?" Now, with COVID and everybody being at home and really reflecting their life, a, a bit of this has started to change. A lot of people started really thinking about what was most important to them. But I think with a with a job or with a career, it's figuring out what do you like to do, um, you know. And that's not. I always tell people I don't want to know what job title you want. I want to know what kind of work activities you like to do. Do you like to do analysis? Do you like to do planning? Do you like to do anything related to people? Do you, you know, um, uh, and figuring out a little bit about that because that broadens your horizons around what you can do. Sure. uh from a, a job or a career perspective obviously you have to find a way that that thing that you love to do is going to make money but most people don't step back once they get into the job marketplace and say what i really want to do they look at a linkedin job posting and they're like well it kind of fits but i always mm -hmm. advise people first write your perfect job description for yourself like know what you really want so then you can screen those job postings or those uh, recruiters who are calling you against your interests and requirements, like take ownership um, of your career, because it, more than any time, it's it's a two way street. And I'd say life is short. Don't do something you hate to do, you know, figure out a way to get out of it. And I know some people, you know, work, you know, um, work to live and you go paycheck to paycheck and they can't just quit their job. Um, but figure out what it will take um, to actually find something that uh, is more meaningful. Because I, I believe there are workplaces out there that don't suck. <laughs> there are workplaces right. that do suck. There are many that don't. And and um, so find that place. And then I think the last piece that I talk about is um, even if you've taken a job because you need just flexible hours or you um, just need extra income and it's not what you really want to do, be happy with, with that job for what it is versus being miserable. Like I really have to do this extra job or I really don't like this. Um, 
but recognize this job meets a requirement right now. And so I'm going to like it as much as I can while I need to do it because all that negative energy of not liking it, you know, brings everything else down and raises your stress level and your mental health and a variety of other things. So accept it for what it is, but move on when you can. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Cause, cause I, I, I also see that uh, just from a both standpoint, again, I've been on the both sides where I've hired people and also have interviewed to uh, to different companies. And, and I can see that it's, it's uh, in the end, it's kind of a bet, uh, kind of a gamble uh, where if we're going to a new company, uh, we may be thinking that it'll be, it's going to be the amazing job that I was looking for, but it may not be that case. And we may find that out after three, four, five months. So So I think what you're saying also is that just move on uh, from that point on. Be be in that realization that it's not that job and, and time to move on rather than just keep grinding in that one. Um, and then when we hire people, uh, I also see that same thing. Like you said, that um, if um, if if someone is really passionate, really wants to do something, actually we like that. Um, and it's a two-way street. We, we also want the candidate to really like the job and like the company rather than just just for the money so yep um makes sense no thanks for sharing that i i was just curious and kind of uh wanting to go a little deep into that uh but but this is this is great um sort of uh i would say activities even even on the marketing side of things because uh if, if there's a coach out there or if there's someone who has done a lot of work a lot of writing i i guess it's uh is it something that can be done as a uh, as as a thing that uh, kind of um, bring everything together and and sort of publish a ebook slash a short guide or yeah, I mean, or and something I think, like that. Or I mean, I think it's a, or, or your network. I think it's a great opportunity to whether you publish on your website, whether you publish on a tool like Medium, whether you you put it together and you put it on Amazon or or any of the other you know, digital, um, sites, but, you know, if you've got a point of view, I would encourage you to, to curate it and, and share it, whether it is just a download from your website, um, or to your newsletter, uh, um, recipients, uh, because the more that people know about you, the, you know, and your points of view, I think that is a way that you build your brand and the awareness of who you are and what you believe. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. There, there's so many things that can be done. So, uh, like podcasts, we are, we're we're having that this sort of discussion and eBooks, like you said, and guides and um, mediums and blogs and all of those. So, so I think uh, what I'm what my takeaway is from from your um, from this discussion on the marketing side for any new coach or existing coaches to just uh, just p- pick up what uh, pick up one of those channels mm-hmm. and sort of execute on it, curate it and sort of get, get, get behind it. And um, I would say, don't under underestimate the power of your network. Like tell people what you do. I think that's what we often don't do is tell people what we actually do. <laughs> Not necessarily sense. trying to sell them, but just say, Hey, did you know that I do this? If you know anybody, um, sometimes we forget the people that we, you know, spend time with all the time. Absolutely. And then especially, like you said, after years of working with multiple and hundreds of people the network definitely is 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 pretty solid and can come uh, come to rescue um awesome well um with that uh, uh i would love to uh, sort of uh, 
talk about um, something in the end, which uh, just just your last suggestions or, or any any final words on uh, for for someone who is uh, who's wanting to start as a coach or or is already there and, and wanting to scale you. You shared a lot of knowledge today, but but just uh, just any parting thoughts there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's if it's what you really want, stick with it. You know, get the help, get your own coaching, get your own um, support. You know, I call it sort of your your own leadership board of directors, you know, to help support you if this is what you really want to do. If if you're not sure and you're still on that fence of like, okay, this might be something, you know, I would generally recommend um, people start build that business on the side until it's it's scalable. I didn't do that. But um, I think, you know, hindsight 2020, you know, I think that's a better opportunity is to start building the business uh, while you still have a paycheck. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. And with that, if someone wants to reach out to you, uh, Melissa, how how can they reach? Yeah, I think the best, um, the best contact way to find me is on LinkedIn. I'm uh, very active. I post every day. Um, so you'll you know be able to see what I think about leadership, um, and or you can check out my website crimdellconsulting.com uh, just to get a better idea of what I um, do and what I offer. But uh, LinkedIn's probably the best option. Perfect, sounds good. Thanks for sharing that, and and listeners, you now know how to reach out to Melissa if you have any questions. Either even if I, I guess if you're a coach, just feel free to reach out to her. Um, for any tips or suggestions um, and um, yeah try to connect with her on LinkedIn uh, with that Melissa it was great speaking with you thanks for being on the show uh, I, I loved loved talking to you today and kind of digging into uh, deeper into the leadership coaching aspect and, and how to sort of um, start and scale that business um, and thanks for sharing um, your experiences as well with that uh, I would love to uh, stay in touch with you and uh, Uh, probably Uh, we'll, we'll talk again next time wonderful thanks for having me thank you 